help us keep the music going. Welcome to the Music Room, the podcast dedicated to keeping music alive in primary and elementary schools throughout the world. I'm Mark Lee and I'm passionate about ensuring that schools provide an environment where children are given an opportunity to foster a love for music and have a chance to express it. Together with my guests, we're here to help teachers and parents by sharing information, tips and techniques from music education experts and practising music teachers. So, let's get into it. The Music Room Podcast is proudly sponsored by Bushfire Press. Oh, welcome to our humble little podcast and today we have Alison Cameron from uh, just south of the Gong, a place called Berry. Now, Alison, uh, you, have, you are in completing a PhD at the University of Wollongong and your research has been looking at the effects of a children's music education program on language development of four and five-year-olds. That's, I'm on the right track? Yep, that's, that's it pretty much in a nutshell. And, uh, what have you, and the program is called Tuning In. Part Tuning of the show. In. Yep. Tell us about that. So Tuning In was an initiative of the Shoalhaven Youth Orchestra that started getting happening in 2013. And we started it because um, previously the Wollongong Conservatorium of Music had run childhood music classes in our area, but they'd had ceased about 10 years before that. And we noticed that the pool of children learning musical instruments seemed to be drying up and thought that perhaps the, the core factor for that was that there wasn't, that there weren't these community music classes for children that had um, provided us with sort of a, a, a pool of children to join the orchestra. So we, we'd done a bit of advocacy and got nowhere. So we decided that the best way to solve the problem was to do it ourselves. Okay, and uh, and that led you to uh, to think about the the uh, the effects of language. How did that come about? So, the, sorry, me, the effects on language. Yeah. So the the way that came about for me was that I had um, previously worked as a private music teacher and a classroom music teacher, but then I, my career took an unexpected detour um, for health reasons and. Um, when I started to become well enough to work again, um, I was asked if I wanted to apply for a job running a supported playgroups program. And I'd never thought of working with preschool aged children, but I decided to, to investigate it and ended up getting the job and absolutely loved it. But one of the things I found in that job was that we were seeing so many children with language development problems mm-hmm. um, and but the music sessions that we used to run that were embedded in the, um, the playgroups were so successful in terms of children um, with language difficulties engaging in music and this seemed to, to really um, be like an impetus for them to want to speak more. And so that was sort of the, the, the thing that kicked me off with the idea that I really want to find out more about this and so I decided I'd like to research it. And you went to uh, uh, the University of Wollongong? Yeah, and I, so I um, found some wonderful research supervisors there, both of whom were um, 
either musicians themselves or um, involved in music in a, in a number of ways, but were also um, educators. Um, and um, and then we set about how we were actually going to research um, or develop some research that was actually doable, but was real world research. So it wasn't just about taking children who had self-selected to, to learn music because their parents could afford for them to do it. We wanted to do it in, a pre, in preschool settings um, because um, music should be part of um, all preschools and, and often in most cases is, but the quality of it can vary quite significantly. Um, so we, we developed the research design where we had four preschools um, two were became tuning in preschools and the other two just did their regular preschool music mm. um, sessions. Um, I went in once a week for a five month period for the, uh, to the other two, um, two services and did a 30 minute um, tuning in music session once a week for over that period. We pre-tested children's language sort of test that we did was that we wanted to look at children's phonological skills. So that involved phonological awareness, which are the, like the building blocks for literacy development. Mm -hmm. So it involved testing skills like sound matching, the ability to blend sounds and blend words, and um, what's called a lesion, which is the opposite of blending words. It's taking words and sounds apart. And we also looked at children's phonological memory and um, phonological memories are a really important part of learning. Um, but it's also we see that children that have difficulties with phonological memory often have trouble with comprehension in reading, that they have great difficulty with longer or more complex sentences. Um, for children with difficulties with phonological awareness, they're the children that are typically identified first as having problems with reading. If, if a child has problems with those phonological awareness skills, they'll almost certainly go on to have problems with reading. Um, so we pre-tested all of the children and at the end of the five-month period, we tested them again and we compared the two groups. And um, what we found with that part of the study was that in the, um, the three phonological awareness tests that we did, sound matching, blending words and elision, sound matching is the easiest skill to develop. Uh, blending words is the next one that tends to develop and then elision is the hardest of those in that age group. And blending words and elision tend to continue to develop in those first years of schooling as well. Now, we actually found a really, really strong result in sound matching so that um, because it was real-world research, we couldn't match our groups the way you would do in scientific research and our tuning-in group was actually more socioeconomically disadvantaged and in that group we actually had five children that had diagnosed language disorders. So what we expected was that that group was always going to struggle to keep up with the regular preschool music group if the tuning in program didn't do anything at all. But what we found was that in sound matching, we actually got a really, really strong result. So the tuning in group who started behind the regular preschool music group actually substantially overtook 
the um, the regular preschool music group. In blending words, we actually got quite a promising result that showed that probably if we were able to continue that study for longer, we would find out more about the effects. And we didn't really see effects upon elision, but because that was the most complex skill, and that would still take another couple of years to develop, we thought probably what we needed was ideally you would want to have longer research so mm. you could continue to investigate that for longer. With the phonological memory part of it, we actually found a really strong result there as well. One of the tests there was called um, non-word repetition and we got a, a strong result there that showed a real closing of the gap between the, the tuning in children who were considerably weaker in phonological memory than the regular preschool music group and they actually slightly overtook the regular preschool music group and I guess the thing to remember is that this was only 30 minutes once a week um, it was about 10 hours of music um, tuition essentially mm -hmm. or a music play because it was playful it wasn't just it wasn't like sitting in a classroom it's playful music um, so we got really strong results with that and the other part of the study was that we looked at the children's experiences of taking part in music. What were the, the musical skills that they developed? What did we see in their language, just in everyday contexts? And um, how they used language for social purposes and so on. And what we found there was that, particularly with the children that had the poorest language skills, the music sessions seemed to really compel them to want to speak they wanted to communicate and they didn't always want to do it in music but they seemed really driven to do that as soon as I would arrive they would want to have a conversation and they would want to help me unpack and at the end they would help me pack up and we'd have quite quite good conversations even though with some of the children I actually had trouble understanding them initially they had very um poor um articulation with their their speech and they were quite difficult to understand um, but we also saw significant improvements in their articulation and the clarity of their speech and that they were able to form more complex sentences and continue conversations for longer than um, at the start of the intervention we also saw that they became much more confident communicators so of course the more children want to speak the better they're going to get at it and the better they get it the more confident they become um, and but participating in music seemed to really feel they loved music it became the highlight of the week um, in one of the centres, they could choose whether they wanted to play outside or come and do music. And in nearly all instances, the children actually chose to come to music. So they mm. would forego outdoor play in order to do music, mm. um, which was, was actually, I thought, quite important because yeah. we know that children love playing outside, well, but they were willing yeah. to give up. It minutes. says quite a lot, doesn't it? It really does say quite a lot about how successful uh, the program was to them that you were putting together. Yes, absolutely. And um, and it was a one of the other findings that was really important was that music is a really strong, um, provides a really great framework for forming relationships because 
music making is a social practice. It's a cultural practice, but we do it collectively. Okay, sometimes if you're learning an instrument, you do that as a solo thing, and sometimes music is solo, but it's inherently a social practice. And so the idea of coming together and doing music as a group really seemed to be provide a really great foundation for building relationships so that even though I only saw the children once a week for a fairly short period, um, I seemed to become an important person very quickly and and we seemed to become quite a, a, a team yep. and uh, we really saw children develop their skills in as working in a group much more effectively because, of course, Playing instruments in a group requires teamwork. It's the ultimate team sport. Um, so there were the relationships part of it was also very important. It wasn't just about music making as a standalone thing, that music making is about working together and, um, and being able to work effectively in a, a team. Mm, yes. And I think that builds children's self-esteem when yeah. they feel that they've actually accomplished something collectively that makes them really proud. One of the things that we used to do quite regularly was what I call storytelling composition. So we would, I would develop little compositions with them just doing oral storytelling, but we would accompany that with by working out what instruments were going to represent what characters in the stories and so on. And um, and the children absolutely got would be so absorbed in this process and often sometimes it was a bit chaotic, but but often what happened was that the children that would often have the greatest difficulty working in a group in another context could actually do this and get great satisfaction and I regarded their satisfaction as being the same satisfaction that adult musicians get from making music. Yeah. Yep. Um, they were actually quite sophisticated in what they were capable of doing and how they were able to understand the concept of mm. using music as a vehicle to tell stories. Yes. So, yes, that, look, that's got uh, implications for all music teachers, hasn't it, really? That's something that everybody oh, can look, do. I think so. Yes. Um, I think sometimes we forget that um, it's easy to concentrate on music as something where we recreate music rather than we create our own music. Yep. And I think um, creating music is a very powerful thing for children and they really derive um, great aesthetic pleasure from it as yes. well as... Um, developing cognitive skills and social skills in the process. Um, and, of course, on the side of that, other benefits to their language development. Yes, yes, indeed. And that's a, that's a, it's a powerful thing to have in your arsenal when you're going to your principal or your school community or your, your school council. It's, um, we'd, we'd love it if music could be just... Uh, held in Absolutely. esteem for what it is, but this um, these sorts of studies broaden our understanding of the importance of music too, and uh, and it's That's connected right. the musical oh, sorry the uh, the music language connection to the spoken language, so yeah, all really really yes. good stuff. Yeah, well, wow. very That's, much. And, and yeah, sorry. Go on. 
I was just going to say there's a lot of research much earlier in life about the, the overlap between the way babies develop language and the overlap between the similarity of language and singing mm-hmm. um, and that babies are very hardwired um, to develop language but we tend to speak in very sing-song ways. So we use a lot of music in speech with babies and that evolves throughout childhood but we don't want to take the music out completely. Mm. Um, music and language go hand in hand together but they actually support one another really well too. Mm. Indeed. Indeed, that's yes, and you, you, if you ask any ORF teacher or Kadai teacher, they'll, they'll share that opinion. I'm sure. Yes, yes, okay. absolutely. Well, the children's programs um, draws on elements of Kodai and ORF and Dal Crows. Mm-hmm. So, like a lot of music education programs, you know, there are some that are specifically ORF or Kodai um, or Dal Crows, but a lot. Um, actually incorporate elements from each of those and that's how tuning in was um, was developed. Right. Well, that's been an amazing, enormous amount of information there and, <laughs> and so much. <coughs> but uh, for the listener, if you're, if you're uh, uh, wanting to, uh, to access uh, any particular part of all of the information that Alison's given us today, you can catch up with the notes the show notes will have some fabulous bullet point uh, uh, a bullet point version of what Alison's been telling us about and it'll also have Alison's uh, email address if you have some information you would like to give to her um, now have Absolutely. we come go on yeah I'd love to hear I'd love to hear from anyone that's got anything interesting they'd like to share um, or if they'd like to know more, um, I'd, I'd love to hear from people. Okay. And now have we, co- have we covered everything? I think we've sort of co- covered all pretty much in a nutshell. Lovely. Um, because it's now time to go to the, uh, uh, the hints and tips for the week, the uh, recipe and the quote. That's how we like to end our little podcast with. And, and our hint, hints and tips uh, uh section today comes from Murray Schultz in South Australia and he's sent us a uh, a video of Pass the Beat Around, a game that some of you will know and some of you won't know, but get on to that. That will be in the, uh, the link will be in the show notes. It's a simple little um, ga- rhythm game and you can do it with or anyone from probably, I would think, middle school to upper. All right, the recipe this week comes from Giacomo Puccini. And it is no less than eels with pasta. And if that recipe sounds revolting enough, you have to read what he used to do after the consumption of the dish. I kid you not, it's quite bawdy. And to finish, here is our quote for the week from Jane Swan, who says, how is it that music can, without words, evoke our laughter, our fears, our highest aspirations. We're going to leave you now. Thank you very much, Alison, for being part of the podcast, and we'll see you all in the next one. Thank you for joining the Music Room podcast with me, Mark Leahy. For show notes and other resources, please visit us at musicroom.net.au. And while you're there, subscribe to future episodes so that you can help us keep the music going. 
I'd love to invite you to join the Free Bushfire Press Community Facebook page too, where you can get more tips and techniques, ask questions, and stay abreast of Music Room events. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with teaching colleagues and school parents. If you have a question or a subject you'd like covered on the podcast or have a recommendation for a guest to interview, please contact me at mark at bushfirepress.com. The Music Room Podcast is part of the Experts on Air Podcast Network and is brought to you by Bushfire Press.